Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co slash PMC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Do me a quick favor. If you like what you hear at Planet Microcap, please take two seconds and give us five stars on Spotify or Apple. This helps with the search engine so that more folks can also discover and engage with all things microcap stocks. Our next investor conference is less than three months away. The Planet Microcap Showcase Vancouver is coming up on September 6th and 7th, 2023 at the Fairmont Waterfront. Be sure to check out a recent episode with Paul Andriola, founder of Small Cap Discoveries and lead sponsor of our event to learn more. To register and attend, please go to planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vancouver. Now, my guest on the show today is Paul Dwyer. Director of Research at Punch and Associates. I recently had Paul's colleague, Howard Punch, on the show. And after recording, Howard asked if we had ever done anything on the Russell rebalance. After spending a few minutes in the Deep Planet Microcap podcast archives, it turns out we had. <laughs> so I acted on Howard's suggestion and invited his Director of Research to talk about it. We recorded this interview on Wednesday, June 21st, 2023, and the Russell rebalance officially takes effect on Monday, June 26, 2023. So the timing couldn't be better for this one. Thank you again for tuning in to the Planet Microcap podcast, and please enjoy my conversation with Paul Dwyer. Paul, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Good, Bobby. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. It's great to have you. You know, look, when we... We just, I just interviewed one of your colleagues, Howard Punch. Uh, I guess that was about a month ago. Yep. And, you know, when, when we got done, we were talking about, hey, you know, have you thought about doing an episode about the Russell rebalance that's coming up? And, you know, I, the dingleberry that I am, was, can't believe I've never done one, you know, talking about the Russell rebalance, you know, not yeah. just for obviously the Russell 2000, which is the main small microcap benchmark, but just in general for folks that aren't aware of what's happening, what, what takes place on uh, an annual basis. So here we are, we're doing a full episode on the Russell rebound. So, you know, let's start, let's start there, you know, for those that aren't aware of what this means and how this affects the stock market, all that good stuff, you know, Paul, can you start us off? You know, what exactly is the Russell rebalance and how should we think about it? Yeah, you bet. You know, thanks again for having us, uh, for having me. It's great to be here. Um, So big picture, the Russell the U.S. Russell indexes rebalance uh, at the end of June annually. Um, you know, what we're talking about today is largely the Russell 2000 index, which is focused on, uh, you know, that's the small cap benchmark focused on uh, companies kind of 1001 to the 3,000th 3, largest company out there that's eligible from a, a U.S. perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, companies 
the, the indexes start to figure out what is going to be added or subtracted from the indexes towards the end of April. And then May is um, kind of a positioning month. And then at the end of June, they tend to kick out uh, about 10 to 15% of those 2000 companies each year, um, just based on uh, you know, market performance overall, uh, what sort of companies have raised capital, uh, companies have been acquired, et cetera. And so, um, you know, what we focus on is, as kind of microcap investors is that 3,000th company, like what is the last company to get into the index? And that can be a big um, driver of uh, investor attention to that last company. And so, uh, you know, this year, for example, that market cap is about 160 million. Uh, so that will come uh, Friday, June 23rd is the rebalance day this year. Uh, tends to be uh, towards the end of uh, uh, June every year. And so there'll be about 168 companies getting booted and 190 companies getting added to the Russell uh, 2000 this year. And, and that's kind of the, the pond that we like to look at for new ideas is those kickouts and hopefully own a couple of the 192 companies that are get, getting kicked in and, and uh, benefit from some new investor attention. Absolutely. So, okay, let's dig in a little bit. And it's funny you mentioned you mentioned the market cap, but the the name of the company is publicly out there as well. So, if you wanted to check it out, um, I'll say it is Protolix Biotherapeutics. I'm yeah. not a shareholder, but um, that that is Norway. Yeah, and that that is the the smallest one that's out there. But let's let's think about this a little bit more because you know, in terms of strategy, not saying that this is part of your strategy itself, but you know, you see, you start to see the announcements trickle out. From individual companies, you know, set to join Russell 2000, set to join Russell 3000, you know, right. in that June-ish, May timeframe. And that's a pretty big news news announcement for most of these companies, right? Now you're going to be on an index, you're going to get all sorts of new action inflows. So, I mean, when you think about it from a strategy perspective, again, not yours in particular, but maybe for folks thinking about it, I mean, isn't that already somewhat priced in, in, in many respects? Because a good amount of these companies are using this as like, hey, this is a newsy event. We want want our shareholders to know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I would, you know, we tackle the rebounds from two different angles. Um, kind of what you're talking about in terms of market performance, all of what, from what we've seen, the market performance definitely happens before rebalance date. So um, we start to see movements in companies that are expected to be added and expected to be kicked out uh, you know, as early as six months prior to the rebound. So we're starting to see some, let's call it non-fundamental moves going on in some of these stock prices, um, you know, as early as January of uh, leading up to the uh, the performance. And then, um, you know, and it's, and it's pretty dramatic. Um, you know, companies that, well, we've, the studies that we've done kind of internally, companies that are getting kicked in uh, can outperform by about 20% relative to the Russell 2000. Uh, over that same period and companies that get kicked out, it's, uh, uh, I think they're down about 35% um, relative to how the index performs itself. So there's definitely, you know, a lot of trading that's going on up to the rebalance date, um, getting ready for uh, the reconstitution of the index. Um, and then, you know, in terms of what happens the day of, that's, you um, there's, we don't see as much stock market movement going on the day of, you know, by Friday, June 23rd, most of the movements in these stocks should have occurred um, one way or another. 
Um, but where it can be an opportunity is, you know, if there's a company that you want to get a bigger stake in, there is going to be a lot of trading volume going on that day. So, um, you know, we owned a company back in 2019 where we had a small stake, wanted to make it a bigger stake. Uh, it was trading like 25,000 shares a day, um, which, you know, is okay for a micro cap in terms of volume. You know, it's not just uh, by appointment only, but uh, uh, on the rebalance date, it traded 900,000 shares. Uh, and so you, you do see these like 10, 20, 30x volume relative to the normal um, trading volume that you see on a daily basis. And, and that could be opportunity, you know, whether you want to get rid of a stock that uh, um, was, was, was less liquid and it's for whatever fundamental reason you want to move on or a company that you want to add to it, it's, it's a good opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, do you also use it for idea generation as well? I mean, obviously now there's going to be a bit more liquidity for sure. Um, yeah. But now you're going to see some companies in there that weren't in there before. Now there's going to be a, that extra liquidity there's a reason for why they're included. Right. So right. I'd like to hear right. your opinion there. Yeah, we, you know, our general philosophy is that um, opportunities are greatest where capital is most scarce. And so, you know, what we're really looking for are those companies that aren't in the index yet. And that um, if they perform based on our expectations, we'll, uh, largely see the earnings power that we expect to come out of it. And we'll see a, a few years of earnings growth. And then as they get added into the index, we should hopefully benefit from, you know, the extra 1.6 trillion that's benchmarked to the, uh, the Russell 2000. And there should be some multiple expansion on top of just hopefully a company getting better over time. Um, we do look at all the kickouts as well for idea generation. Uh, so, you know, we're running weekly screens uh, kind of as early as January based on what we think the kickout line might be and starting to look at companies that we expect to fall out of it. Um, you know, a couple points I'd make there is that in, in our mind, fundamentals still matter. So, you know, just because a company got booted out of the Russell uh, doesn't make it a good, a good investment by any means. You know, some of these companies deserve to get kicked out. And so you can't just uh, buy the bucket and uh, a, a basket of companies that do get um, removed. And then there does take some time, particularly for kickouts before they start working again. So I think if you looked at the study, uh, it would take another three to six months, even after that kickout uh, for those companies that did get kicked out to, to kind of keep up with the Russell. So you've got time, but it is definitely a source of idea generation for us just to go through that list. You know, I, we kind of think about it as just another tool in the toolkit in terms of, we like to look at all spin outs. We like to look at tax loss harvesting candidates. We like to look at broken IPOs. And uh, I would include Russell 2000 kickout candidates as another interesting uh, pond efficient for, uh, for, for, for micro cap ideas. Absolutely. So I know that the 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 criteria for inclusion, you know, we could probably do an hour just on all of that. But yeah. you know, I guess for the Cliff Notes version, you know, for those that don't know, what are some of the criteria for inclusion in Russell two thousand three thousand? Yeah, it, you're right. You know, you can go to the Russell website and they'll give you a forty five page deck on all, yeah. on all the rules. <laughs> like um, I said, I don't think an hour would be enough. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, the, uh, the the main ones that we pay attention to in terms of uh, uh, any company of ours that might not ever be able to get kicked in is it's got to be 
uh, a listed and headquartered in the United States company. Uh, it's got to have a price per share over a dollar. And uh, both the float, um, meaning the kind of publicly available shares that can be traded, as well as voting rights, both have to be above 5% of the, of the overall. And so you, know, you check those three boxes, there should be a pretty good chance that you're included in the index. Uh, they do exclude things like uh, uh, business development companies. So those are not allowed to be in the index. Very good. Yeah, you know, just looking at some of the data for um, for uh, uh, for this rebalance, uh, I mean, you know, we're seeing, you know, uh, total market capitalization of the Russell 2000 index decreased 10, 10% from 3 trillion to last year's reconstitution of 2.7 trillion. Um, from three trillion to two point seven. Um, how the largest company in the index is a six point three percent decrease from last year's largest company. The smallest company is a thirty-three point six percent decrease from the the smallest company in the index last year. I mean, it's pretty interesting data to sift through when you're thinking about like the love of the small micro cap community uh, for the last, I mean, 12 months, I guess you'd say, you know, using this, but what are your thoughts on, on some of this data? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's um, it is big market moves uh, that can happen to these small little companies. And, um, you know, I think one of the, the most interesting quirks is that the Russell 2000 cutoff doesn't always match kind of what the Russell 2000 performance is the year before. Um, and so that can create some really big moves um, about companies that are in and out that don't have a lot to do with fundamentals. And, you know, specifically what I'm talking about is, uh, you know, the last obviously three or four years have been pretty wild in the marketplace. And, uh, um, you know, 2020 and 2021 in particular had a lot of capital markets activity. And so as you're floating new companies into uh, the public domain, that can bump out some somewhat decent companies that haven't um, uh, really underperformed anything in the benchmark, uh, but that they just get booted out of that 3,000 level of the company, uh, right? There's only 2,000 spots. And so uh, if you add 50, 100, 150 companies uh, through the SPAC markets, through companies raising uh, capital, through traditional follow-ons, et cetera, um, some good small companies just don't make the cut. And that, and that could be an interesting opportunity. Um, so like in 2020, the, the Russell 2000 fell about 13% uh, for the prior year uh, and the cutoff fell 38%. So we saw a decent amount of like high quality companies actually get added to the Russell 2000 uh, benchmark that year. Uh, in 2021 and 2022, the cutoff jumped a lot higher than the stock market performed uh, because of those SPAC uh, companies that went public and just all the capital markets activity that we saw. And so then there was a lot of companies that, uh, of pretty good companies that got booted that, um, you know, even if you kept up with the index uh, in terms of performance, you might not make it. Uh, and then they're just getting a lot of non-fundamental selling pressure. And then this year, it's kind of the opposite, um, you know, obviously is some of those more speculative companies that came to market over the last few years have uh, uh, had had a tougher uh, bear market here. Um, the the cutoff is falling about thirty five percent relative to the index being about flat, and so that has you know what we're seeing in our portfolio is a lot of companies that got the boot in 2021, 2022 are, are starting to get uh, added again, and so that you know that can. Um, 
create a lot of trading opportunities around companies that you like. And, you know, we try to be long-term three, five, 10 year shareholders of these companies. Um, but, you know, as you know, in micro camps, you can't just sit on your hands and, and um, you've got to trade around positions to, uh, to, to optimize performance sometimes. hundred percent. And you know, what's interesting. I mean, the turnover is not that crazy, right? I mean, you know, look, uh, so it's about 15%. Uh, yeah. new names going into the 2000, going into Russell 2000. Um, it's interesting seeing, uh, it looks like healthcare kind of led the way in terms of new, um, of that 297, 81, or I guess that's 81 from the Russell microcap, I guess, went up, uh, into there. So that's, that's kind of interesting, especially since biotech's just been absolutely hated for, yeah. <laughs> for at least yeah, the beginning part of the year. Um, yeah, no, it is, um, just the benchmarks and the weightings are, are, are interesting to watch in general. And I think, you know, I think to your point, healthcare is going to get the biggest boost to the index this year going forward. And then I think uh, consumer discretionary uh, is getting the the biggest pullback uh, in, in terms of companies. And so, um, you know, that as people that like to turn over rocks nonstop, that kind of makes us think, Oh, maybe there's a couple interesting consumer discretionary companies that, uh, um, may have gotten the, the bump unwarranted or, you know, I'm not quite sure what went on with healthcare in the last, uh, 12 months that, um, uh, if there's some extra capital raising to push it forward, or if those companies have just started to recover from what was a really challenging, obviously 2022 for a lot of them. Absolutely. I mean, just based on some of the data that you've seen so far for you know, this annual rebalance of all these indices, I mean, what, what stood out to you the most? Yeah, I think it, you know, I would go back to what I was talking about in terms of uh, company, the benchmark has fallen dramatically relative to where it was the year before. And so we have seen um, some companies that I would not have expected to get into the Russell uh, yet bump, jump in. So, you know, the, the cutoff went from 240 million in 2022 to 160 million in 2023. All of a sudden, some of our companies that were at 100 million market cap, 125 million market cap, and put up a good quarter or two of earnings have seen really strong performance uh, over the last six months here um, as they kind of get bit up by um, you know, non-fundamental buyers uh, as, they get, as they kind of approached closer and closer to that 160 million market cap. And that, that kind of comes, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, uh, that eventually these guys get bumped in for sure do you think there's uh, there must be i mean i you know there obviously is one you know i've actually talked to some management teams that think about this but you know there's definitely a strategy from some of these uh microcap management perspective of like hey all right beginning of the year you know we want to be eligible for the russell like that'll help us with quite a few things, like, especially if they want to raise capital, um, especially right now, because a lot of, the, a lot of them missed the boat, you know, uh, when things were skyrocketing in 2021. Um, so there's definitely a strategy right now where a lot of these companies are probably like, Hey, like, you know, let's cut cause Like, let's show, pro- let's show profitability. Let's get the trading up. Let's get the story out there, blah, blah, blah. So that we can at least be eligible, get in the Russell and then, you know, do some of the other corporate actions that we've been trying to do. I'm sure you've had a few of those conversations over the years. Yeah, you're, you're spot on, you know, and it's uh, probably no surprise as passive versus active has been a bigger and bigger discussion in, in investing over the last three or four years. Uh, you know, when I started investing um, seven, 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't many 
microcap investors or microcap CEOs where they would talk to me about the Russell rebalance and uh, what the cutoff level is going to be. And uh, now pretty much any microcap company that we talk with in that call it 100 to 300 million market cap band, it is on their mind. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's probably, it's, it's kind of like everyone knows it's yeah. prudent. It's, it's prudent. It's, um, it is yeah. prudent. No, that's fair. That is fair. You I, know, I, um, if someone asked me about it, it's, it's uh, you know, don't go raise equity just to get yourself included into the uh, the benchmark. You're going to lose a lot of uh, uh, invest existing shareholders uh, if you just go raise equity to, to attract some other shareholders. Um, but you know, you cannot blame someone that says now is a good time to really get out there and tell the story. I think I'm 10, 15 percent uh stock price movement away from from being that three thousandth company let's get after it maybe do one or two more roadshows it only listen it only makes sense and and you know what these are all companies just trying to make it you know they probably good amount of them will need that extra growth capital do what you got to do you know yeah. As long as you're kind of open about it, that also that makes it a little bit more palatable for those that want to be or believe in the story and believe in you know what your objectives are for three to you know in that three to five year time horizon. You know, it would suck if you know they got you to believe that and you have that time horizon and then you know here they go. I mean, right. Well, I mean that that's that, um, that's the part that sucks. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, fundamentals matter, right? And so you know, it's it does you no good to get a one time pop. Uh, over promise and then you get booted uh, 12 months later and uh, you kind of become a stock that gets buried. I mean, what we're, we're, we're really looking for is like, who is that 125 million, 150 million market cap company with a CEO that can grow this thing to 300 million and you just benefit from a little extra multiple expansion along the way on top of just owning a good business. You know, that that's obviously what you want to do. And then, um, what you know what like i talked about earlier what you don't want to do is just buy the all the stuff that got kicked out you know we've we've made the mistake of owning things like newspapers that uh you know get bumped out of the the russell 2000 and, and lo and behold newspaper is still not a good business and there really wasn't a great price that you should ever have paid for it um and so we've we've certainly had our mistakes chasing the companies that get kicked out but um it's kind of like anything it's an it's a it's an idealist for sure. All right, let's look at some of the the industries and uh, the industry weighting. So um, uh, I'm seeing here the largest industry for Russ 2000 remains industrials at 17.7%, uh, increasing slightly from 17.5%. Healthcare number two at 17.4, and then financials 14.2. And the largest increase was in technology, going from 10.6% to 11.8. And the and you're right on it, right? The largest decrease was consumer discretionary, going from 13.9 to 13.3. Up to your take here. You know, I mean, you are you are you already kind of talked about consumer discretionary. That made the most sense. We talked about healthcare a little bit, but industrials now. You know, for the second year in a row, or maybe more than the second year in a row, but also now increasing in terms of weighting. So, you know, let's get your take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Um... A lot of that is just tied to industrials. It's just such a, a catch-all bucket, you know. And uh, uh, I think uh, it probably got bumped up a little bit uh, with people getting excited about uh, infrastructure spending and, and kind of seeing some of the capital dollars that have that have come out there. Um, just bumping up a few of those companies. Um, I don't have a lot of insights other than that in terms of uh, you know why industrials light other than 
they've the outlook for industrials probably is um, encouraging uh, for a lot of people, and they and they started cheap as well. You know, we um, we we own a fair amount of industrials ourselves, and there's a lot of companies that are trading at you know high single digit, uh, low double digit earnings multiples, and have had pretty good cash flow generation over the last few years. And, and um, I think as the cost of capital has gotten a little bit higher, uh, that has probably uh, helped those well-capitalized, lower earnings companies hang in there, maybe a little bit more uh, relative to some of these companies that, uh, um, you know, consumer discretionary just is worried about kind of uh, people moving from, uh, buying of, of things to buying of services and, and what the implications are for uh, uh, any economic slowdown is certainly weighed on some of our own consumer discretionary companies, I know. Um, and, uh, um, you know, healthcare, we talked about a little bit just in terms of there's certainly been a bit of a reset of expectations uh, in, in terms of multiples. And I think industrials just might be that that somewhat boring catch-all bucket that uh, uh, just hung in there maybe a little bit better than others in, in 2022, thanks to... Uh, uh, maybe a, a slightly lower bar to step over to begin the year. Absolutely. So I'm also going through the, you sent me a great um, presentation with some some nice charts, you know, kind of comparing to uh, year over year, also relative performance, uh, relative total relative return prior to rank day. You know, that hits exactly what you're saying now. Like usually it's, you know, it's mostly, most of the action happens about three, three to six months before the actual rank day. It's like literally f- it's just flat <laughs> straight up like a week before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, you know, we start seeing. We're also holiday uh, season, right? Like, it's <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Volumes are, you know, I mean, we, we start no seeing uh, people throwing out estimates for what the, the cutoff could be as early as, um, you know, the September, October year before timeframe. Um, and so there is a lot of guessing and uh, speculation um, uh, in late Q4, early Q1, and, and the first half of Q2. Uh, and at this point, you know, end of April is rank day, so they they draw the line there. Um, and so the the first few lists of who's included and who's not included becomes public information in May. Uh, Russell publishes those lists, and so at this point, it's just moving uh, volume around uh, from uh, you know some. Uh, active shareholders, the passive shareholders, and and, and other trading going on. It um, so the, the moves have all happened. Um, but well, like I did, like I said, it does take a while, certainly for the kickouts um, to recover. Uh, so you do have time uh, after this June twenty third day to to look through all those kickouts and and do the work and figure out if there's anything interesting there, um, and then uh, uh, go from there. Yeah, you're lucky. We're lucky the turnover isn't that crazy. So it's like, okay, I only have what a uh, hundred. How many is it? That are yeah, crazy? I mean, you still got to sort through uh, 150, 200 companies. So yeah, uh, not too that, bad. That should that should keep you. Uh, it keeps us plenty busy, anyways. Uh, <laughs> on, to, on top of uh, you know all the other opportunities uh, out there. So yeah. like I said, I, re- I really think it's um it's a really interesting um opportunity set that's predictable in terms of look every. January, we start making a new list and, and start sorting through it. And uh, uh, it's a bit more predictable, but it's also, um, it's it's hard to actually call what the cutoff level is going to be because of 
acquisitions and capital raising activity, et cetera. Um, you can't just say, well, I think the market goes up eight to 12% a year. So if it's at 160 this year, it should be at you know 175 to 180 next year. That's just not how it works. Uh, and so it does keep it, um, you know, for people like ourselves, exciting in terms of right. uh, what, what's going to happen. Hey, speaking speaking of that cutoff level, I mean, for the for those you know the rebalance uh, for dummies book, you know, how do we know what the cutoff will be every year? Yeah, um, it's a great question. It in my mind is, is hard, like you could. We don't do it ourselves uh, is the short answer. And there are people um, that spend a lot more time than us going through um, and saying, okay, who are the companies that have been kicked out? Um, Who are the companies that have raised enough capital and are just constantly looking at um, what is that 3000 company? Um, So we'll start getting estimates from uh, some of the sell side community in uh, Q4 and, and they just are, are running the, that quant screen um, and, and go from there. So that that's kind of the best I can say is if you really want to do the work, you can just pull, uh, you know, the, the top 3,500 companies out there that are publicly listed and meet the exchange and and, and sort rank the, the list yourself to get to that level. Um, there are some people that will send out the data uh, from the sell side and realistically, we're using it as just a bit of a benchmark um, because it's it's a moving target and, and no one knows exactly what's going to happen, right? So like you go through um, March of 2020 and uh, any estimates that people had made in December of 2019 are, are totally out the door. And it's just which of your companies have hung in there better than others in, uh, uh, in the middle of a pandemic. And so... Hard to, hard, hard to build a, uh, a quant model uh, trying to front run it too well. And it's it's more just, uh, in our mind, starts creating an opportunity set, but you still got to like the company from a fundamental perspective. 100%. So, I mean, in terms of risk, what, what would you say are some of the biggest risks for an investor um, that are interested in you know, having some sort of Russell rebalance strategy or looking a little bit deeper into the mechanics of this? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest risk is you get tricked from uh, this stock got cheap and so it must be a good investment. Um, And, uh, you know, the last three years aside, um, the cutoff and and the market and the stock market movements have been a little bit tighter. So companies that fall out of favor tend to fall out for fundamental reasons. Um, and so you can't just say, oh, I got kicked out of the Russell. Um, it must be a good investment and I'll, uh, it'll just turn itself around and a year later I'll get kicked back and, and it's good to go. Um, you know, the other thing that we, uh, you got to watch out for is, um, you know, we'll take the opportunity, like I talked about, in terms of buying companies that are getting added to the Russell um, that we like. Uh, but, you know, investors are wrong uh, <laughs> occasionally. And uh, if we were able to get into the position because of the liquidity that was provided uh, uh, during the reconstitution and the rebalance, and then volume does go back relatively to normal, maybe slightly above what it was in pre being in the index, uh, but certainly not the same sort of, you know, 10x volume 
um, you can be buried in a name that you were uh, wrong about. And, uh, and that can certainly be a challenge for, uh, uh, you know, an institutional investor like ourselves, because uh, we'll certainly be wrong on some of these companies that we buy. And then, uh, uh, then you've got, you know, then our traders got a much harder job in terms of uh, trying to get it, our way out of it. It's, it's much more fun uh, and easy if you're had a great winner that you can sell into the uh, uh, kick out or the kick in relative to uh, buying something for the first time at the kick in, realizing you're wrong, and then there's no volume to get out of it. So I think it's the volume goes away um, and not being fooled just by uh, a movement in the stock price uh, would probably be the two biggest risks. For sure. I mean, you know, when you talk about like looking at some of the stuff that's been kicked out, I mean, are, are you saying that you look at stuff that's been kicked out of all Russell indices completely? Or are you looking more like, okay, it fell from the 1,000, 2,000, oh, it fell from the 2,000, the micro cap. You know, like, do you, how do you think about that? We will look uh, a lot at stuff that goes from the 2,000 into the micro cap. Um, okay. Because th- there's a lot less money benchmarked to the micro cap index than there is the 2000. Um, and so you do see pretty good moves of there's less people paying attention to companies in the micro cap space relative to the small cap space. And so those, those create the opportunities. I mean, we are happy to look at companies that aren't in any index. Um, but, uh, uh, you, know, you get, you start to get pretty small at the bottom end of the, uh, the Russell micro cap, uh, uh, index. Um, so that's that's getting to be about as small as we'll go. Generally. I want to see, see the list. So I'm sure somebody has a list published somewhere, you know. So uh, if you're seeing this on Twitter or listening in, hit me up. Send it on over. I'd love to see that. That would be super interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have a list somewhere. Um, I mean, I think I don't know. I feel like we've covered quite a bit already. I don't know. It's not rocket science, but it's also a fun game to play here. And when you're, you know, potentially looking at new ideas or evaluating your own portfolio, seeing how, you know, your, your company's, your portfolio is, is performing based uh, compared to, to uh, some, to the Russell. And I mean, is there anything we missed or other things that, that you know, yeah. The should... only thing I would emphasize is, um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, like new names uh, around this, but uh, you know, we've, we, we own companies for three, five, 10 years, like I was saying, and uh, that can create, you know, interesting trading opportunities for, for companies that uh, folks might have in their portfolio already. So like, you know, we own this current company, uh, which is a, a test and measurement company. And uh, we bought it in 2019, around four bucks. It got added to the index in 2020, the stock went up to 12. Uh, and then it stumbled in, uh, uh, in 2021 and 2022 with supply chains, so it went back to four. And now it's uh, started sorting itself out and, and doing well, and it's back about ten. And so, like, you know, we've liked the company all <laughs> all four or five years, and we understood the challenges we're going throughout it. Um, but it, it's helpful in my mind just to know like what um, non fundamental buying pressure and, and selling pressure can be occurring to your existing names as well as uh, new ideas. And uh, you know, the same thing can be applied in my mind. Very cool. All right. I think we're there, man. So Paul, where can our audience go and find more information on you, get in touch with you as well as uh, Punch and Associates? Yeah. You know, so the, the Punch Associates website is uh, www.punchinvest.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Paul T. Dwyer. Um, and uh, uh, those are probably the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. 
But I uh, certainly appreciate your time today, Bobby. Thanks for the opportunity. No, Paul, thank you, man. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to the next time we uh, chat. Hopefully not a full year from now, but, uh, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll see how we're doing uh, maybe towards the end of the year. Sounds good. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Yes.